Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Evolving Leaders, the show that takes your dreams and passions from unmanageable to achievable. Every week, our panel of experts brings together visionary influencers from around the globe to help you become extraordinary in your business and personal life and expand global change. Put on your seatbelt and get ready to set the world on fire. Hello, everyone. It's great to have you here. I'm Tamara Green, one of your fabulous two hosts today with guest Lisa Marie Platsky. Hi. Oh, she's of UpsideThinking.com. Hi, Lisa Marie. Hello, hello, Tamara. <laughs> so Pleasure good. to be here. <laughs> so good to have you. And Teresa de Grobra of MassInfluenceTheBook.com. Thanks for joining us today, Teresa. Oh, it's great to be here, Tamara. It's so nice to have you. So today we're talking about influence and leadership. But before we get into that very hot topic, let me introduce my spectacular co-host and colleague, our mindset expert, Jill Fisher. Hi, Jill. Hi, Tamara. Now, she's an advanced hypnotherapist and a powerful speaker on the international stage. So, uh, and I just want to say who I am. I am the love and dating expert. I'm an author, speaker, psychotherapist, and host of the Miracle Monday Meditation. So I'm Tamara Green, and welcome, everybody. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. (laughs) Hello. Hello, hello. Hello, 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 hello. So today we take turns sharing a piece of news from our areas of expertise for a no-holds-bar round-robin discussion. And Jill, what news in the world of business or leadership do you have for us today? Thank you, Tamara. So inside the topic influence and leadership, um, what I was uh, wanting to bring to our conversation today is around being an influential leader in today's technology and the mindset behind that. So... Um, I wanted us to share different technologies that can elevate our level of influence, even if we may not feel that we're influential yet. And so with technology advancing so quickly, there's always something new on the market. And it can be simply, you know, an example would be the I'm safe feature on Facebook where, you know, uh, people can just put that note where there's been – you know, some kind of catastrophe, and they, then they can actually note on their Facebook that I'm safe. And so they're, if they're a friend of yours, you see that they're safe and they're, they're okay. Or, um, you know, we've, we've all heard of people that are of influence and they can pick up the phone and, you know, for example, in Haiti with the Haiti victims and a few phone calls, and they can reach out help where jets are streaming to them with, you know, boatloads or <laughs> plane loads of food uh, uh, and aid. And so I'd like to um, have a discussion here, just a short discussion, to look at different ways that you can use technology to impact your influence with others or your reach to others. Um, So maybe actually we can uh, start with Teresa and uh, you being an influential expert trainer, what um, what ideas do you have, or what information do you have around um, access through technology that you can boost your level of influence? Oh, I love that conversation, you know, because I think most people don't actually even realize what level of influence they already have, you know, mm. and in, influence actually grows from spending the influence you already have. Like, you know, we all know the cliche, you want to get respect, you got to give respect. Well, you want to get influence, you got to give influence, right? So the more that you communicate with people, the more you acknowledge people, the more you shine a light on things that need to be sh- shone. Um, is that a sentence? <laughs> <laughs> it works. And, uh, we got you, though. We, we understand. I think you got me, though, right? And... Um, <laughs> 
But the more that you, you know, really um, help people see what needs to be seen in the world, the more influential you become. And social media especially has enabled this to happen, you know, at the speed of Facebook and Twitter. I love the examples of the I'm safe feature because, you know, when now when tsunamis happen, you know, the tsunami that um, is just happening in, in Chile this week, for example, the the instant source of news and information for people is actually regular everyday heroes helping to get the word out and uh, and that's why it's it's so cool that most people are now learning how to become influential awesome yeah it's brilliant the access that we have mm-hmm. thank you and lisa marie what are your comments on this well i, I you know i i think that there's so much that um, that is out there that uh, you know is is not used. But when you mentioned you know ideas and access through technology, you know leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And so, you know, as Teresa talked about the idea of sharing and spreading your influence, you know, there are certain features in social media that I really love. You know, from from just a practical standpoint, that when I'm going out someplace and I'm going to speak in an area or I'm going to travel someplace, I will go to the city and location feature on a page like Facebook and look to see who it is that I know that I've been connected to and who it is that the people that I know in the area are, you know, know in that particular region or area. And when I've traveled places, um, because I do live in the United States, and when I've traveled outside the United States to South America and to Europe, I've had meetings with people that have then led to opportunities because of me just taking that initiative. And years ago, that wouldn't have been possible. Uh, another feature is, you know, uh, um, you know, from a practical standpoint, I have a client right now who's in the process of climbing Mount Kilimanjaro and being able to speak to her about, you know, using the crowdfunding feature that's out there to get other people engaged because there's an element of charity for um, why she's doing this. She had, was a heart patient and is, is incredibly lucky to be the, the healthiest, um, you know, heart patient in North America to be able to do this. And so to uh, expand what might be possible for other people and share that influence to really make a difference in the world, I, I just think, you know, technology changes things and, and allows influence to be shared so quickly and just so um, um, in, in a manner that, you know, um, we're yet to explore or really understand. Yeah, it's um, it, it's a little bit sci-fi-ish where, where we're headed of how fast things are are transmitted around the world. And, uh, you know, what you said about, um, and Teresa as well, t- Twitter and Facebook and, you know, Instagram. I mean, there's just so there's a whole plethora, a whole um, bounty or buffet of social media tools that we now have access to, and they just keep popping up. Um, I know on a previous show, um, Tamara, uh, what was the app that uh, Tina had mentioned? Um, uh, the Periscope. Yes, Periscope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where there's instant video transmitted, um, uh, live streamed. Yeah, it's amazing, and uh, uh, it's like now we all have access to be influential at some level and uh, bring our world smaller and connected. Uh, Tamara, speaking of you, what are your thoughts about this? Well, you know, um, I'm learning so much already from our two guests (laughs) and from you. I had no idea there was a I am safe feature. I think that's fantastic, and I'm going to go ahead and, and do the uh, thing that uh, Lisa Marie was talking about, you know, city and location. I think that's a really great idea, a way to connect. Um, but, you know, I uh, love Messenger. I love Messenger on Facebook because I get to just go in there and say, hi, tell me about yourself. Where do you live? You know, it, sometimes I, you know, if, there, if we have kind of a commonality, I want to go ahead and have a little chat with them. And it's amazing what's come through that way. Um, the the other thing I want to say, and I don't know if this answers your question, uh, Jill, directly, but I am amazed by technology. 
these days because, let's see, was it yes? No, it was the day before yesterday I was in yoga, and all of a sudden, beep, 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 you hear all this beeping going on, and you know it's not a fire alarm going off, but what it happened to be was amber alert. An amber oh, alert amber went alert. off. Yeah. yeah, in the yeah. tri-state area. And uh, for those of you outside of uh, the U.S., that's uh, New Jersey, New York, and Connecticut because a child was abducted. So you get this amber alert on all of the devices, and they beep a certain kind of tone, and we were able to see what car, what color, the the driver's license. Even your cell phone? Does it go on your cell phone? On your cell phone, on your iPad, on your computer, yeah, everywhere. And what's amazing is that the citizens begin become, we all start looking out, you know, we get to be part of possibly, you know, saving this child from, from a terrible, you know, <laughs> demise. Absolutely, yeah. So it's, it really just amazed me, like, wow, you know, it, that's Yeah, we actually, um, in Vancouver, we had an Amber Alert um, outside of, Teresa, you might have heard of uh, the Amber oh, Alert, yeah. it was the yeah. southwest corner of Alberta. Yeah, it was For all little two-year-old, all Western Canada. Yeah, it's it's amazing when those happen because suddenly everyday citizens and everyday heroes can become the police force. Yeah. Technology has become so powerful. You know, um, we had a, a pretty major disaster here in Calgary um, just four years ago, and it was the thing that really showed me the power of everyday people using everyday social media. Right? Um, we were helping a. Uh, a friend, um, you know, try and rescue her house. And, um, you know, there were police lines all around the flood area. A third of our city went underwater, you know. And um, so you couldn't get in or out very easily. You know, you could only get in if you had um, flood equipment. And, uh, and we realized there's a bunch of us standing hip deep in, um, in this friend's basement, and we've got no food. And there's like 40 people there, and we're thinking, oh, my gosh, like how many of the houses around here have relief workers that have no food. And so I, I picked up my cell phone and, you know, limited cell service. <laughs> you know, it's only coming every few minutes. But I thought, well, let me see if I can get something posted on Facebook. Sure enough, managed to get a post out saying, you know, we're in this neighborhood at this location. We've got 30 um, uh, relief workers that need food. And by the way, can use more relief workers. And we're pretty sure the neighboring houses are all in the same state. Now, the really cool thing is within an hour, um, not only did we have friends dropping by with food, but um, six or seven of the local restaurants had sent, you know, salads and pizzas to the point that people were walking down the street saying, which house needs food, you know? (laughs) And it's so cool because that's what social media enables us to do. And, you know, I I think if I didn't have 5,000 friends on Facebook... You know, would we have had that same kind of impact? I don't know. It's cool um, to to think about what influence can do to, for the the powerful good when you use it in appropriate ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible, and that was such a a heartwarming time that uh, that Calgary really came together. The community of Calgary really healed from that mm. flood. That was that was uh, quite amazing. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, um, Teresa, for presencing that for us. Um, and Tamara, I want to pass the baton to you and um, as we go forward with the contributions. Mm-hmm. Great. So are you a solo business owner out there making it all on your own? Now come and join the Super Starter Tribe over at the Start Something show where we're on a mission to ignite 10,000 thriving businesses. Now catch our fun and informative weekly show, get tools and resources to help you thrive and be a super starter. You don't need a cape, just be you. Start something new and go to www.thestartsomethingshow.com and join for free. And Jill, over to you. Thank you. So do you have an important message or project that should reach a broad audience? Fastest way to do that is by connecting you with people who can really get your message out there. Ignite your business with this Wildfire Academy free training. Go flame to fame in four weeks. 
It takes you step-by-step through a proven strategy in how to get connections and endorsements from highly influential people in your field. Moving from local word of mouth to wildfire epidemics. Sign up at www.wildfireacademy.com. It's W-I-L-D-F-I-R-E-A-C-A-D-E-M-Y, wildfireacademy.com. And back to you, Tamara. Great. So I am so very excited to introduce our first guest, Lisa Marie Platsky. Hello, Lisa again. Lisa Marie, hello. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. So uh, CEO of Upside Thinking, Inc., Lisa Marie Platsky creates high-performing leaders. An award-winning leadership expert, she has coached entrepreneurs, corporate executives, and startups from three continents in over 20 industries. She uses her law enforcement journey to share what exceptional leaders do differently to seize untapped opportunities. So she's at, again, www.upsidethinking.com. Yay, I'm so glad to have the privilege and honor of interviewing you, Lisa Marie. Thank you, and thank you so much for the the beautiful introduction. <laughs> well, you know, I was going through your website. I I can't remember having more fun reading your uh, reading an about page. <laughs> I had so much fun reading your about page. You know, you, you have a great story, and um, I my first question to you <laughs> is about being called hairs and nails. <laughs> by the men at your law enforcement job. Tell us that background story. That's just too interesting not to ask. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what they called me. Hair and nails. um, Hair and nails. And so, you know, when I went into law enforcement, which was, you know, really something that I thought that I would still be doing today, um, I majored in criminal justice in college and, you know, had – Caught out a job in, in federal law enforcement and just was very excited to have gotten a job in the Newark, New Jersey, New York metropolitan area and was just, you know, um, you know had seen one too many television show, um, Charlie's Angels and all that, and, um, you know, really had a very different image in my mind. And so I had long blonde hair, you know, when I went to the academy and, and um, you know, had showed up with a pair of really cute, Yes, sneakers, and I had these long fingernails that were red, white, and blue. And so, you know, um, to, to the guys, you know, as far as taking me serious, when you think about, you know, competence, you know, versus um, cuteness, right. you know, I, I was definitely, you know, in the um, in the latter field and and not the and not the former. And so, you know, it, um, when I was, you know, after I went through my probationary period. I was then sent to be on a contraband enforcement team, which was going to be narcotics interdiction and um, sifting through, you know, smelly shipments and lifting heavy boxes and running a forklift and doing things that were, um, you know, would be, you know, considered, you know, not the more feminine side of the job, that's for sure. And I did not, um, you know, I didn't, you know, know any of this, but, uh, you know, in the very beginning, but, you know, the guys... There, there, number one, there were probably, I think, only four women on this team and out of the hundreds of people that were there. And so when I was sent, you know, there were, there were guys on the team who really rallied to not have me because they saw me as a liability. And so I found out, you know, through the grapevine that that was, that was my nickname was, you know, hair and nails. Now, the truth is I was, you know, I, I was, I worked very hard to, to be able to do my job well, but, um, Boy, that was a real eye-opening, um, real eye-opening statement. So yeah, that was that's yeah, a and, nickname and, you want to have. And I, I read that in that first assignment you got that rats were involved. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean you know I showed up on the pier and I just I mean I really envisioned these fantastic huge mahogany desks and I had my name with my badge on it and you know once again it was in television you know I'd seen some of these. Um, you know, these shows, and, and I really envisioned, you know, in this, this um, nice environment, and it was just, 
this like broken down, you know, trailer on the piers in New York, and you know, I'd come in early in the morning, and there'd be, you know, little rats running around and hiding behind the pallets, and going, "Oh my gosh, what in the world are you doing?" And so, nothing could have prepared me for, you know, that, you know. That visual, if you will, right. definitely a rude awakening to your new career. Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm just oh, oh you know, and I was just so green. I just was so clueless, mm. and I think that's also part of it. Is you know, I just I had these completely different visions of what my the job responsibilities, you know, my environment, you know, and and you know who I'd be working with were going to be. I just right. You know, I just didn't know. Well, um, so now my next question is going to move you much more into the present, but I love that background. <laughs> that was just, if anybody has a chance, go to her website and just read her about section. It's just so entertaining. So now I read your, <laughs> I read your latest blog. I loved it. I loved particularly the quote where you uh, were talking about connection, and the quote is, the first step is to touch someone with your words. Ooh, I loved that. I got goosebumps yep. when I read that. And I know you just wrote an ebook called The Seven Keys to Mastering the Art of Connection. So you can, can you talk more about this, Lisa Marie, about connection and, and sure. using your words to touch someone? Sure, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I, I just, when I was leaving, you know, when I had left law enforcement and, you know, decided to open my business, one of the, the pieces was, okay, so how are you going to make that transition? And so what's really the bridge? And my passion and love for leadership being about influence is something that I've had for the majority of my life. But honestly, Leadership is a term that's often misunderstood. It's a very, uh, to some people, it's very vague, unless you're in corporate America. Um, maybe you use it more often, but especially in small businesses, it's just, it's not a word, and, it, you know, it, 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 it encompasses so much. And so the idea of connection for me is an incredibly important element of what leadership is all about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in... Oh, go ahead. No, please. I just wanted to ask you, what what would be your quick definition of leadership then? I I, I use it as influence. I don't think there's any difference. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, leadership really is it's influence and and nothing else. And so the person who is the leader is the person who has all of the influence. And so if you don't have any followers, you can't be the leader. <laughs> right. You know. <laughs> you know, you can come up with whatever term you want, but you know, you're not a leader. And so right. um and so connection, you know, what's the thing that allows somebody to be able to open that door of influence? You have to really unlock it so that the opportunities and the influence and the impact are ones that they can have. And I view connection as being that piece. And what connection, when I, when I look at connection, connection is not, um, you know, it's, 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 it's not something that's done to us. It's something that involves a personal choice. So you and I decide. We say, okay, you know what, we want to connect. We want that. It's not, you know, I can add you to my network without permission, but I can't, I can't connect with you without you saying, I want to connect. And so this ability to touch someone, to really, um, you know, to really care enough to want to be connected, to ultimately make a difference, is, as I believe, you know, a key, you know, um, a key that unlocks that door to influence and to impact and to opportunity. And um, and I think when when we look at leadership from that standpoint, people who actively choose. To, to want to connect, um, it does start with simply, you know, starts, you know, first we have to, you know, that there's that, um, the thought that has to happen. Once we move, you know, from the thought, you know, and the ideas to actually the words, it, it, that's the tool that we use to be able to connect, to, to, to touch somebody, to make a difference in their heart and not just their mind. Mm-hmm. And do you have an example of that, of something maybe recent? Have you, you've, 
touched somebody with your words and made that special connection? Oh, heavens. I mean, I just, I have so many. I and mean, even this morning, you know, I, I actually had a, um, so I'm, I'm located outside Washington, D.C., you know, right now. And I, you know, was on a plane sitting next to somebody. We had very, very little conversation during the flight. I was doing work the entire time and um, he was definitely relaxing. And, you know, as we stepped off the um, the flight, you know, I said something that was, um, you know, very meaningful to him. And, you know, while we're down in baggage train having a conversation, you know, I said, you know, would you like to continue this conversation? And, you know, I, I would really love to be able to support you in whatever way that I can. And he said, I, I really would. I think that would be, you know, that would be wonderful. And so from from that standpoint, you know, we, I, you know, I reached out to him via email and then, you know, once again have this opportunity to connect. And in the conversation, what, you know, what's, What's interesting is that this is from a business standpoint, but at the same time, the majority of the conversation wasn't about business. Mm-hmm. It was about family, and it was about food, and it was about um, what's meaningful in life and what's meaningful in the world. And, you know, there's just, there's, I can honestly say that not just dozens of these conversations, probably hundreds of conversations. I feel that sometimes, you know, when you, when you see something in, in life, a lot of times um, people will filter. You know, should I say something? Do I have the right to say something? Especially when it has to do with somebody's, you know, attire, how beautiful they look, or what, or even something that they notice, like you know, a, I mean, a, a tag hanging out. And I'm giving you very simple things, mm-hmm. you know, just to see, but that can really change the way somebody, um, somebody's afternoon goes, or what happens. Uh, there's a police officer at Los Angeles Airport who the last time I was, when I was uh, checking in, said to me, I have to tell you, you know, and I normally don't say this, and I really hesitated, you know, if it was okay, if it's the right thing to say, but you really make that dress look very beautiful. And I thought, wow, you know, I mean, and, you know, once again, it was a simple thing. He said that, I acknowledged, I said thank you, I said I appreciate it, and, and, he, and he stepped away. But, you know, that's a connection moment. And we have this ability to fill other people's bucket. And that actually creates influence in a different way. And it allows you to show up in a way that um, affects change in the world because people can then believe in the good in others. So I don't want to, you know, I'm kind of getting off. Right? There's just so much I could talk about with regards to this. And so let me let me get back to sound and to, to, to really... Um, you know, just simply saying that, you know, just so, so, so many stories, and it really is about being present to life. Yeah, and, you know, I, I love what you said, it, you know, earlier on. You were it, Basically, you were saying, you know, be a contribution, and that's a great connection starter right there, just to be a contribution, right? I just love that, um, it, mm-hmm. which kind of goes right into my next question. Um, you know, what do you do to actually seize untapped opportunities? Because... Um, that is your motto, right? You're seizing untapped opportunities. It is. It is. And I think that I, I think it ties into, you know, what you mentioned about being a contribution. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, I, I look at it as there's this, um, this bank of connection, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's sort of an invisible bank. <laughs> and in, in life, you know, in building relationships with others and in connecting, you know, how difficult, you know, um, it's, you know, it's interesting. Sometimes you know, people make it so difficult when, it, when it's really, really simple. You know, if you look at going to a bank, if I, if I go to a bank and I walk in and I ask for money and I don't have any money in my account, they call it a loan, right? <laughs> and right. So, um, so I can't take out money that I don't have there. And so it's the same thing, you know, with, with connection, you know, that um, ultimately, you know, um, there are people who are really good at making withdrawals, but you've got to make deposits first. <laughs> and, you know, and, and so, um, because, because otherwise, you know, at some point, you know, the, the borrowing runs out, right? And so seeking to be present in life for all the opportunities that you can be a contribution, and not a little contribution, but a really big contribution. You know, looking at what's the big idea, what's the, what's the piece on the table right now that's um, 
you know, that would, would make a big change. I, I just had this conversation with somebody, you know, one of my clients saying, okay, so if, if you can help 10 people that way, how do you, how do you get to use that to, to leverage to help 100 or 1,000 or 10,000? Like, what would that look like? And once again, you know, um, looking for being present to be in that mindset to turn a possibility into reality and seize an untapped opportunity. Right. And we do have to go to break, but real fast, I mean, literally in Two seconds, if you can talk about your design, your destiny live, and what uh, website people need to go to, because you've got a special deal for our listeners. Ah, uh, Design Your Destiny Live, so January 21st to 23rd. It's an event all about um, positioning yourself and getting your 2016 plan in order, and it's in Manhattan Beach, and it is at designyourdestinylive.com. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Lisa Marie. (laughs) Thank you. That's fantastic. And thanks for that special deal for our listeners. Great. So I'm just going to go right into, again, contribution. And this is about one of my favorite foundations called uh, Project Forgive. So I'd like to introduce you to Project Forgive. It's a documentary on how and why human beings dance in the conversation of forgiveness. This is the creation of Sean Duperon. She's a six-time Emmy Award winner and a leading-edge broadcast journalism, a media trainer, and a communication expert. She trains and consults Fortune 500 companies, universities, government agencies, and entrepreneurs. I have taken her workshop. I'm telling you, it was fantastic. So Project Forgive grew out of Sean's personal experience of forgiveness, and it includes exquisite stories of courageous forgiveness from celebrities, thought leaders, and people whose stories will definitely inspire you. So have you ever... um, have you ever asked uh, to describe the mo- you know, that greatest moment of uh, courageous forgiveness, and what would that be? And here's your opportunity to go to projectforgive.com forward slash share dash your, store, your dash story and share your forgiveness story. Now, these links will be in our uh, show page, so don't worry about writing that down. And Jill, over to you. Thank you, Tamara. Now, I have the great honor of introducing our next guest, a dear, dear friend of mine, Teresa de Grobois. Teresa is, wow, she's so inspiring. I'm covered in goosebumps just speaking about her right now. She's a woman on a mission, a mission to change the planet, one word-of-mouth epidemic at a time. Teresa is a four-time best-selling author and international speaker. She teaches how to build relationship with and gain endorsement from influential people, which is what her newly released best-selling book is all about, Mass Influence, Habits of the Highly Influential. Welcome, Teresa. Hi. It's great to be here. What an awesome show to be on. Lisa Marie, I love everything you teach. I think you're so amazing. And what a wonderful, actually... Sorry, Lisa, I didn't mean to speak over you. It's wonderful to bring the two of you together. You complement each other's work so beautifully. Oh, no and kidding. I've been a huge fan of Lisa Marie's for years. So I think this mm. is so cool to be on the same show together. <laughs> nice. Nice. So now, um, Teresa, I want to really delve into the training that you do. It's so powerful. It's so impactful, and it's so important in the world that we're, we're living in right now. Of even, you know, piggybacking from what Le- Lisa Marie was talking about inside of making a contribution. You know, making a difference, making an impact, and filling each other's buckets. Um, can you speak? Can you start, Teresa, with speaking about? Um, I think we ha- we all understand the premise of uh, the impact it is to be influential, but what can stop people in in taking you know that stand and becoming influential? Could you um, speak to ways to get past any blocks to becoming influential that we might have? Oh, I love that question because um, the reality is most people 
are hardwired with, uh, you know, an inner conversation, self-limiting beliefs that stop them from becoming influential, right? Mm -hmm. And when you think about it, you know, there's a lot of uh, great books out there these days on leadership or self-empowerment that all talk about self-limiting beliefs or inner conversation. Most of us invented it when we were very young. And uh, generally, it's something like, um, I'm not important, I'm not lovable enough. You know, I, I can even remember the day I invented mine, you know, because I'm from a really large uh, family. Mine's, I'm too small to play with the big kids, <laughs> right? Mm. And these inner conversations get in the way of us becoming influential. The really scary part of this is that the only people that don't have inner conversation that gets in their way of becoming influential are, in fact, sociopaths. And so what's mm. at stake here is when good people and everyday heroes don't take on learning to overcome their inner conversation and the things that stop them from seeking influence, then, then what we risk is living in a world that's run by sociopaths, not the world I want my kids to inherit. That's why for me it's so important that um, I loved everything Lisa Maria was talking about, that we realize that influence is an everyday act. It's not something that people have or don't have. It's a skill we have a responsibility to learn. Wow, yeah, yeah, that's incredible, actually. Then when you, when you look at what's at stake and uh, that whole conversation of who am I to go and you know, speak up about this, or who am I to interfere with the, you know, the simple bullying that might be happening on the, the playground outside of your house, and uh, and really, you know, it's that age-old question of who are you not to, and who else yeah. will, perfect, if yeah. you don't, yeah. Yeah, I, you yeah. know, and I talk about that in my book, you know, how most of us have a, why doesn't somebody just, you know, somebody should do something mm-hmm. about that, right? And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I actually have a cute little cartoon in the book of Gandhi sitting there saying, somebody should really do something about the way the British are treating us. You know, <laughs> and, uh, you know and the reality is if there's something that really annoys you or that you're looking at saying, gosh, someone should do something about that, then right now, right here, I dub you someone. Um, mm-hmm. You know, think about that that's actually your mission in life. That's the thing you should be doing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We all need to be dubbed as I am to someone. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. So now can you, and I know you go through, this is a brilliant book. Thank you so much for putting it into print so that so many people can access your your information that you've accumulated in such a sequential, logical, understandable, palatable way that that it's, um, you know, you can bring it. When I I read it, it, it was... I could bring it into my life and see, okay, where am I passionate? What what do I want to be someone about? And where can I implement this in my world? And then also there's a part in that book where you speak to, you know, how do you connect? How do you get that Rolodex of top influencers in your industry? So could you speak to that just a, a bit briefly here? I know there's there's much more content in your book, which is so mm, yummy. <laughs> but... Yeah, if you can put your words into that right now about how to how to connect with those influencers. Yeah, I think if you really look at highly influential people, you'll see that they are masters at building relationship, especially relationship with other influential people. And it, it really is as simple as this. If you start to build strong, solid relationships with the influential people you already know and learn the skill set, of of really connecting with influential people, they'll start introducing you to even more influential people. The challenge is that, that, you know, most of us, we learned a certain rule book in the sandbox in kindergarten about fairness and how things work. And, you know, at a basic one-on-one influence level, um, you know, Robert Caldini in his book, The Psychology of Influence, which is a phenomenal book, it's one of the, you know, original Bibles of the whole notion of influence, um, he talks about the whole notion of reciprocity, right? Where, um, you know, generally I give something to you, you would naturally feel obliged to give something back. But in fact, people who build powerful relationships take reciprocity a lot further than that. Shonda Perrin talks about this in her work, right? She talks about how in real powerful relationship building, people build a cycle of reciprocity, where there's a natural giving and receiving, and it's based a lot less on obligation, like Caldini talks about in, in, in deep relationship building. It's based more on mutual respect and understanding. There's a lot of authenticity there. 
And mm-hmm. but the the challenge is, you know, we learned this etiquette in kindergarten, and then you know we learned another etiquette when we first started networking in business. You know, we learned that it was a good idea to buy a colleague a coffee if you wanted to get in relationship with that co- coffee. And you only need to phone up the CEO of a Fortune 500 company that you want to work with and offer to buy them coffee. And faster than you can say restraining order, you'll learn that the rule of how reciprocity works is different for highly influential people. It's almost like we've all learned to play badminton and highly influential people play hockey. And if you stand on the the hockey rink with a badminton racket, sitting there wondering why everybody's shooting pucks at you, you're not going to get very far in the game. So there's a whole different skill set that needs to be learned when you're talking about the highly influential. There's a different set of habits and etiquette that they operate by. That's um, outside of the coffee cup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you know, I can spell it out for you in a nutshell. Do you want me to give you some real-time examples? Please, yeah, yeah, please do. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, when you look at what highly influential people do, you know, the equivalent of taking the new neighbor in apple pie for them is they gift and receive influence to build relationship with each other. You know, and, mm-hmm. and like what does that look like, right? Because that sounds kind of vague and grandiose. But at a real time, what that looks like is, you know, they would connect people with other influential people or they would acknowledge or endorse their work or... They would, um, you know, shout people out on Facebook, uh, offer to um, help them get more speaking engagements or media coverage. Highly influential people build relationship by helping to shine the light on other influential people. It's an authentic thing, though. It has to be people that they deeply respect and admire because the minute that it's inauthentic and you're just doing it, you know, to get in goods with someone you think can help you, it doesn't work. The inauthenticity becomes very apparent. Mhm, mhm. What is the quote? I love um, the quote that you have about integrity. Where? <laughs> no, I'm like, dang, what quote is? That? <laughs> Are you maybe thinking I, of my definition of authenticity, which is I am. I am. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah your definition. So authenticity, of authenticity is your inside voice saying the same thing as your outside voice. That's the way I would define it. Right. So if your inner voice is saying, I really want to meet this person because they can do a lot for my business and your outside voice is saying, you know, it's great to meet you. I really admire your work. Then you're going to land smarmy. Right. And and that's one of the reasons. And I know Lisa Marie thinks very similarly as a, a speaker or content expert, it's very important to pick what shows you go on and pick who you work with. You know, I could show Lisa Marie out any day of the week because I love her work, but there's people I avoid dealing with because I don't resonate with their work, and that's okay. There's lots of influential people out there you can build a relationship with. You don't have to pick the ones that don't resonate for you. Right, right, great. Yeah, so now I know that you go through a lot of this information in your book, Mass Influence habits of the highly influential but could you also elaborate and you know within being an entrepreneur and building businesses um, you know a business isn't a business unless it's generating money so how does this translate into money and abundance well you know intuitively we all know it does right Um, I have an exercise that I often do um, when I'm teaching live with students in the room and I ask them to Estimate what a single endorsement from a highly influential people could do for their business or their career. And it's interesting because the answers will come back tend to be in two camps. The first camp will be the people who are trading their hours for dollars, like service providers. You know, so if you're like a massage mm-hmm. therapist or um, you know maybe a mechanic where you bill out by the hour. You know, usually those people do a quick calculation and they think, well, if somebody highly influential endorsed me, then my calendar would be full, and that equates to an extra six hours a week, which equals $40,000 a year, and they'll give me a number, something like that. And then there are people who run businesses where there is no limit on the amount of money they make because there's no limit on their ability to produce product, and they'll come back and they'll say, wow, if somebody really influential endorsed me, then I would probably be making an extra $100 million a year. And they give crazy, massive numbers like that, and which is interesting to see. You know, in the influence world, 
when you notice this distinction that, um, you know, moving from a service provider to a true business owner where you can walk away from your business and be in a one-to-many context, that's where mass influence really starts to come into play. Um, There's one-on-one influence we deal with individually, and that plays by one set of rules. And then there's mass influence, which is more of a one-to-many conversation. And when you step into the mass influence game, the ability to make large amounts of money rapidly escalates. Brilliant. Brilliant. I can see, um, yeah, the draw to move out of the uh, service industry or trading dollars for hours into the mass influence game where there are no limits. So thank you, Teresa. And... um, I really want to encourage our listeners here to get more information from the website. It's massinfluencethebook.com where you can uh, purchase her book, The Mass Influence Habits of the Highly Influential, and get more of this information about how to create your own influence in the world and make a real contribution and a real difference and bring in hundreds of millions of dollars to benefit yourself and the world. So thank you, Teresa, so much. We're going to move to uh, Tamara. Okay, so um, do you want me to go for one minute or for 30 seconds on this contribution? (laughs) You've got 30 seconds. (laughs) Okay, just wanted to make sure here. (laughs) Okay. Okay, so did you like the theme music for our Evolving Leaders show? Well, it was created by David Dashinger of ddmusic.com. And David is a Grammy-nominated composer whose music has been heard by over 1 billion viewers on TV shows like the Super Bowl, the Masters, NCAA March Madness, CBS News, and the NFL. So to elevate your media to the next level, to supercharge the quality of your videos and audios, and to upgrade your uh, branding, you'll definitely want original music that's aligned to your message. So go ahead and contact David at ddmusic.com. He will create music that reaches people's soul. And to you, Jill. Thank you. So you know it's time to start your meditation practice. Make it easy for yourself by joining the Miracle Mondays Meditation Community, where all members receive complimentary weekly guided meditation audios right to your email. These meditations are perfect for the beginner and powerfully transformative for the intermediate and advanced as well. Make it easy. Just come on to the website tamaragreen.me. It's free, so no excuses. And start right away your meditation practice. Great. And back to you, Tamara. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, So now is the section of our show that I love. It's called the Leadership Couch Questions. And you want to get a sense that we're just a bunch of friends hanging out, sitting on a couch, having coffee, tea, or wine, or whatever, and just having a little, you know, fun back-and-forth conversation, uh, an open uh, discussion. So, um, but, but, you know, real quick, before I go into what I'm going to bring up, I just wanted to say to Teresa that I actually used your um, specific tips on how to be um, an influence and how to actually make... um, great connections with people of big influence. And so uh, I actually, because I was a contribution, I started off as a contribution to John Gray, who's the author of Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus. He's now endorsing my book that's coming up. So thank you, Teresa. Oh, yay. <laughs> wow. Not yeah, it really works, folks. It really yeah. works. you got to get Teresa's book and get all those tips on that. It's really amazing. So thank you. Mm. Okay, time to get vulnerable. (laughs) I'm a psychotherapist, so you know I have to go there, right? (laughs) Okay, what has been your, this is a question for all of us, but what has been your biggest bomb in the game of influence? And was there something that you did that you wished you, you know, you just wish it had gone much better than it actually did? And I'm going to actually start so you kind of get a sense of what I'm asking here. 
I'll share with you. You know, I was working with my first uh, private practice therapy client. She was only 18, and her father wanted me to meet with me to discuss her treatment, and she gave me her permission to do so. So her father and I were meeting, and he's, you know, all those years ago, you know, I was nervous because he was an accomplished author, and um, he wanted to know... Uh, I, I wanted to give him the sense that I was a really positive influence on his daughter. So anyway, he asked me about a program that I was recommending for her, and it was called DBT, which stands for Dialectical Behavioral Therapy. And he asked me, hey, you know, Tamara, what does DBT stand for? And I told him, Diabolical Behavioral Therapy. <laughs> <laughs> At this time, I had no idea oh, what diabolical meant, and I died of embarrassment <laughs> as he laughed out loud in my face and said, God, you are so young. So i that's an example of what I mean about getting vulnerable. Um, so if you don't mind, Lisa Marie, we'll start with you. What has been your biggest bomb in the game of influence, and was there something that you did you wished had gone much better than it actually did? <laughs> Oh, good grief. Are you kidding me? I mean, I, I have, you know, plenty, plenty, plenty of stories and, um, you know, and uh, of, of things that I didn't do right in life. But, you know, one of the things that, you know, comes to mind is that, you know, while getting in the door and really understanding about serving and supporting and what I love, you know, so brilliantly that, that Teresa talked about is, you know, that it doesn't have to come, you know, if I, if I give influence to one person, it doesn't necessarily have to come back from that same place. That really, you know, it's, it's really about um, choosing to be of, you know, service and support. And so I would open doors. And then sometimes if the, if the deal or the opportunity was so big, just so big, I'm thinking of one particular issue, it was, it was, it was just huge. It was this, you know, multinational um, organization that wanted me to come in, and I just, and so I dropped the ball and just was, um, and didn't realize that this was a pattern, you know, this was behavior, you know, this was a, uh, a choice. I just sort of didn't make time to um, do the follow-up. And then they just stopped calling. And they really, really, really wanted me. And it was huge, 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 huge. And so um, it's something that if I could have, could go back and could have a conversation with myself, and what Teresa talked about, you know, with the inner conversations, I would have had a wonderful conversation um, with um, my little Lisa Marie and trapped inside and told her that, you know, it's all going to be okay and you have all the resources and the support that you need so that, you know, she could have stepped up at that moment in time. Wow. Fortunately, there have been many opportunities since then that I've, you know, done better at. But, you know, yeah, it was really, it's one that I look back at often because it's, Still a company that I see in the news and go, hmm, I wonder where. Mm, yeah. Oh, I certainly had those deer in the headlight frozen moments myself. <laughs> it's, you know, when you're stepping out of your comfort zone, whoa, it's kind of tough sometimes, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Great. Well, thank you, Lisa Marie, for sharing that. Teresa, how about you? Uh, I love the biggest question, in the game of influence. You know. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I love this question because I think, you know, one of the biggest things that, you know, I'd love people to take away is that courage is never tidy, you know. <laughs> and, you know, one of the things I love that Hollywood is moving toward these days is actually, you know, they're stopping making courage look all neat and tidy like superheroes, everything works perfectly, right? Yeah. And and they're starting to show us that sometimes being courageous is really messy and sloppy, but you just got to move forward anyway. And and a lot of entrepreneurialism looks like that. A lot of success in business looks like that. Um, you know, I, I'm sitting here thinking, wow, she just wants one example. I have examples <laughs> daily. <laughs> and, um, you know, but probably my most recent that was really big for me um, is, you know, my mom passed um, actually almost exactly a year ago today. And um, here I'm someone who teaches people how to get on top of their inner dialogue so they can become influential and one of my struggles in life is actually comfort eating. <clears throat> you know, I, I, have, I struggle with food addiction. And, you know, mom passed, and during my grieving period, within two months, I had gained like 35 pounds. 
Now, I, I get that, you know, 35 pounds might not seem like that much, but that's basically two clothing sizes, and I'm like, I've got to get on top of this, or, you know, at this rate, I'll be 100 pounds overweight by Christmas. And, you know, so the really cool thing, and I, I'm excited to talk about this on this call, because it was actually my dear friend, Jill Fisher, wah, <laughs> that I called up and I said, Jill, I need help. You know, I, uh, I'm i out of control here. I'm just shoving food down my mouth like you wouldn't believe. Um, and so Jill, you know, not only did some hypnotherapy with me, but um, I worked through Jill's week of weight loss program that really helped me see that, wow, I've got some deep-seated inner dialogue around food, especially because, you know, I I grew up in a pretty loving family, but being the youngest of nine, you know, sometimes they forgot to feed me, you know? (laughs) Right. And so I, you know, I have a lot of emotional uh, issues associated with food, or I want to say I had, because I've started busting through those, right? But it's a tough thing when you're someone who, uh, you know, teaches people to confront and get on top of your inner dialogue and you're showing up at an event and all of a sudden your tooth clothing size is bigger, right? People are like, whoa, what happened, you know? So I I think, you know, the one thing I'd love people to take away is, you know, give yourself permission to be sloppy and succeed sloppily in this because we are human beings and it's all our imperfections that are actually what make the masterpiece of who you are. Yeah, you know, Teresa, um, there's so many things I want to say right now. But first of all, oh, you know, it's your mother's anniversary, and she's such a sweetie Mm -hmm. pie. You know, you would show photos of her, and oh, my goodness, what a kind, kind, kind eyes that she had. Just a I know, she's an amazing lady. Light and love, right? So um, uh, the other thing, you know, I've seen you recently in Vancouver when you were um, speaking at the EBC event, and you like like a rock star. You're gorgeous. I know. Oh Thanks, my. Jill. You're like even up there, like flirting <laughs> my pleasure. with the audience. Oh, you just look fantastic. Oh. So I'm dying to hear more from Jill about the magic she uh, magic spell she put on you. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Teresa. And Jill, how about you? What has been your oh, biggest I'm bomb the in the game of influence? I'm the same. Like I just, I'm like, which one should I pick? There's so many. <laughs> and you know, for some reason, I don't know why this one stands out for me. But um, I had a contract. Um, I, I was uh, in charge of purchasing a quarter million dollars of art for a university in Edmonton. Um, and I was not the University of Edmonton, but um, Grant McEwen University that's up in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And uh, this was about 20 years ago, and um, there was a moment where um, I was actually going through the contract at the same time that I was going through radiation treatment because I had uh, uh, Hodgkin's disease, cancer in my in my throat area, and, um, and I still could um, manage some work. And I was meeting with, the dean of the art department, um, the curator we had hired, the, this curator of a prestigious gallery um, to consult with, and uh, Grant McEwen himself was there visiting, and the president of the university. And I was there. <laughs> it was such an important, or at least I thought it was a very important meeting. And all my energy drained out of me, and I thought I was going to instantly throw up. Oh, and I'm standing, and we're just like casually standing. We're walking through um, the university, and I'm pointing out, you know, uh, what piece this is, and the artist, and the gallery it came from, and the, you know, what the artist said about it, and 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 I, I look at who I'm with, <laughs> and you know, I'm like 22 years old, right, and and sick as a dog, and my hair has got a, 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 a what do you call it, a, a scarf over top of it um because it's mostly missing and um and I had to excuse myself and I had I I just uh I felt all the energy drain from my head and um mid sentence and I just I looked at the curator she she understood what was going on with me and uh and I just said um can you take over from here I I uh I need to be excused for a second. Oh, <laughs> I walked away. Oh. And 30 seconds. And I couldn't gather myself to, re- you know. 
Pardon? 30 seconds to music just to oh. keep you on time. Yeah, too. yeah, that was just, you know, I just I couldn't hold the energy at that time. I wasn't physically strong or mentally strong to um to uh keep the energy with uh that caliber of of who I saw was very high-end VIP people. And uh yeah. Wow, what a story. Thanks for joining us today on Evolving Leaders from EBC Radio. And remember, the adventure has just begun. Get all the resources from today's show at theevolvingleadershow.com. And join us again next week where Leaders of Vision inspired you to transform your ideas into reality.